Hello, everyone, and welcome to the House of Spoken podcast for the week of May 31st, 2021, here on uh, Memorial Day, Monday. I am your host, David Weymouth. Today, we have some big news to discuss, including updates on casting for Big Brother 23, Survivor 41, and International Survivor. Updates about Big Brother After Dark, as well as the rumored theme of the season. And lastly, I will be giving my thoughts on Survivor Redemption Island and One World, as well as Big Brother 3. As for why I'll be giving my thoughts on those seasons, you'll have to stick around to the end of the podcast to find out why. In our first news story here today, the Survivor Gods have answered my prayers from last week. We have gotten the final nine contestants for Survivor 41. Let's take a look at these players. First up, we have Brad Reese, a 49-year-old rancher from Douglas, Wyoming. Interesting thing about this guy is that I do believe he's the first guy from Wyoming or one of the first people from Wyoming. I don't really know. My my survivor knowledge is not that deep on where these people are from. I've never really heard of a lot of people from uh, Wyoming. Let me just do a quick Google search here. Survivor Wyoming. Or survivors from Wyoming. Oh. Oh, that that uh, that gets me results that I do not want. <laughs> Hold on, survivor players. Yeah, he Brad is the first uh, contestant from Wyoming, from what I can tell. This website, this site, or this article from uh, Surviving Travel from two years ago does say that Wyoming is one of the states that have never had a um, contestant from which is nice to see i'm it definitely helps the diversity definitely having someone from a state we've never seen before on survivor um especially also a farmer i don't know how many farmers we've gotten on survivor i know big tom is the um, biggest one i think keith nail was also either a rancher or a farmer in some way i think um, i don't really know for sure um moving on uh, the next contestant we have is eric Abraham, uh, 50 years old, from the cybersecurity professional from San Antonio, Texas. Interesting. Back to back here, we have two people that are almost in their 50s or are 50, which is definitely a good sign for the cast. I'm definitely excited to see more mature, older players playing the game. And a cybersecurity specialist, I don't think we've ever seen one. I don't remember what Dean's... um, I don't remember what Dean's profession was. I think it just had something to do with... It was, it was some kind of Google job. I don't know the name of. Um, the other cybersecurity professional we've had on reality TV recently is Brett. I don't think this guy's going to be like Brett, considering he's over half... He's almost double Brett's age, I believe. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Or maybe, I don't know, if you're a fan of Brett, I don't know. Um, the next person we have is Evie Jogata from 28 years old from Somerville, Massachusetts, a research PhD student. Um, it's, I again have nothing to say. I'm just looking at headshots of these people with ages and um, occupations next to them. Research PhD student, that's cool, I guess. I wonder what her PhD is in. 
the next one we have is uh, Jeannie Robin Chen, 46 years old from Portland, Oregon, and she is a grocery store worker. I do believe, again, she is the first grocery store worker we've ever had on Survivor. It's definitely nice to see more people with different backgrounds. I've definitely, I've never worked in a grocery store, but I live with people that do work in a grocery store, and they're definitely some really interesting people. So it's cool to see uh, one of these people who works a job that if they won the money, it would definitely change their life in a dramatic way. And another uh, late 40s, almost 50 years old person in the game, which is nice to see. Uh, we The next contestant we have is Heather Aldrit, a 52-year-old artist from Charleston, South Carolina. I wonder how good her art is, because... Maybe she'll be able to make a very convincing fake idol. She's good at really good at art, and I don't know. Most of the times when I see artists, I usually think, "Oh, unemployed." But I'm just gonna leave my thoughts at that. Hope she does very well. Again, another fifty-two year rounding round fifty-year-old contestant. That's very nice to see. Um, next, we have our first of well, our first of two twenty-year-olds in this block. First of three 20 year olds in the entire cast. We have we have Jarris Robinson, 20 years old again from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He is a student, like most like pretty much like all of the 20 year olds we have on this season, which is I think three 20 year old college students is too much. I think they definitely should have cut one of these people. Um the next person we have again is another 20 year old. Student this time she is a business student from Evanston, uh, Louisiana or not Louisiana, Illinois. I believe I O is Illinois, and that is Liana Wallace. Next up we have uh, Nasir Mudalif, which I believe is how you pronounce that. I could be wrong. Please someone correct me if I'm wrong on that. I want to get it right. He is a 36 year old sales manager from Milpitas, California. I hope I also pronounced that right. Someone correct me if I'm wrong on that as well. And then lastly, we have Tiffany Seeley. She is 47 years old. She is a teacher from Plainview, New York. The last person that we had from the um, New York, New Jersey area that was a teacher was Tommy. He went on to win the game. So I wonder um, if, she, if people are known of that. Maybe she'll be targeted. Who knows? So besides that, this cast is great to see. Um Definitely great diversity. Let's just break this down. This come, these statistics come from uh, Mel at Mel Brown double zero on um, Twitter. Go follow him. He's a great account. There are a breakdown of six black players, three Asian players, at least two LGBTQ plus players, at least one Hispanic players, and five players with the age of fifty five plus, which is great to see i also saw that i think this is the oldest newbie cast if not the oldest cast in the history of survivor i think winners at war has it beat because of the 20 the three people that are 20 years old um i think the average for the season like average is out around 33.72 which is better because i believe the averages for all reality TV seasons were around 27 to 25. Like I think that was a stat for like Big Brother 20 or 21. That that was the case, which is like we we need more older people on these shows. The old people on these shows 
definitely play the game more and they make the game way more interesting, which is what I like to see. Besides that, there's nothing I can really say about these people. I haven't seen these people talk. I haven't seen how these people act. I haven't seen how these people would play the game. I don't have a bio for them. I know nothing about these people. All I'm seeing is a headshot, a name, an age, where they live, and what their occupation is. And that's all I can really go into about these people. I don't like to research these people before they go into the game. That's just not my cup of tea. However, there's, there's, I can't really make an assertion about these group of photos more than any other group of photos that I've ever seen because there's no more information about them than this. Some other people, however, online that have genuinely irked me with their reaction to this cast are a lot of people have really, in my opinion, been letting their racism show. To me, a lot of people online seem genuinely upset that CBS followed their guidelines and cast more diverse people than a majority of white people, which is really weird. I don't understand that. Like, how can you be upset that, like, it's a TV show. How can you be upset that there are more diverse people on a television show that, like, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. I'm really at a loss for words here. Like, this is how Survivor and reality TV is going to be going forward, and that's a great thing. With the diversity inclusion initiatives that these shows have been doing, it's going to be great for the show and great for reality TV as a whole. It's going to bring in new fans, and as well as new perspectives for discussions about these shows. Is that not what we want? Do we not want new people to come in and enjoy this show that we love with other people? Do we not want that? And these other shows like Big Brother and the circle and the challenge do we not want that for our shows that we love and we want to st keep stay on the air like we need to draw in new people if it's just the same old people talking about the show it's going to get stale no new ideas are going to come in and having all these diverse people is just a good thing for the show i mean it it just genuinely upsets me to see people upset that they decided to cast more diverse people i don't get it we've been complaining for years that survivor has just not been and big brother and all these other shows have not been diverse enough that we've been getting like too young people or too many white people or not enough uh asian and black and other representatives on these shows so i don't understand why people are upset now, there are a lot of people that are happy, and I'm with them. I'm with the people that are happy as well. One argument that I keep seeing that people bring up against having a more diverse cast is that Survivor is supposed to be a representation of American demographics and society, which, if you're applying it to that, you're, you've obviously never lived outside of like a small town. Most big cities in America look like this. Look like this group, these groups of people. I know there are some people from Canada in here, but that's a different thing. Like, if you go in a city, they look like this. They look like... American cities look like this. And the majority of people in America live in cities. They do not live in small towns. So, that, <laughs> that's a little bit of a tirade. I don't really know where, where I was going with that, but... um. Oh yeah, the thing about representation in American demographics and society. 
The thing is, that point of it being a representation of that was true when Survivor was a social experiment. People forget that these shows like Big Brother and Survivor did start as social experiments. However, they evolved into a game. The original concept of Big Brother and Survivor were, let's put these people in a high-stress situation and let's see what happens. It turned into a game by the contestants. The show did, didn't mean for that to happen, nor thought it would happen. Also, in my opinion, Survivor stopped being a social experiment with All-Stars. Let's be real here. Once they brought in people back from previous seasons, to me, it was when the social experiment died and the, full, the show fully became a game. You can see that even in production, like seasons later coming in with the Hidden Immunity Idol. Hey, it's Dave here. Uh, nothing about this Immunity Idol rant really makes much sense. Um, and the audio got a little bit fucked here, so the next thing you're going to hear is me talking about the people who are upset about this, and the rant kind of concludes here. So, enjoy. Um, this rant's getting a... Need to, they need to check themselves. They either need to live with it, or stop watching the show altogether. The show is evolving past you at this point. Either you keep watching it or you stop watching it. Either way, we don't want you. If you're upset about this cast, we don't want you in the fandom, nor do we need you. So either live with it or stop watching. That's how I feel about it. Alright. Let's move on to some other casting news. Big Brother 23... One of the casting people, Alex Stern, posted on Twitter, My job here is done. That's a wrap on Big Brother 23 casting. Now, when this came out, a lot of people, or when she tweeted this, a lot of people thought that this meant the cast is locked, it is finalized, and we will be getting a cast soon. That is not the case. I, this just means that casting is closed for Big Brother 23. That means that... You can no longer sit up in a tape. The calls have gone out for finals, and that's it. Her job is just to find people for finals, and then the casting director makes the final decisions. She even says this herself in a follow-up tweet. If I can find that here. She even says that herself. This does not cast as locked and finalized. This just means that I've done my job, and now the powers that be will do theirs. So pretty much, we have not gotten a cast yet. We're like a month away at this this point to even having a cast i think by the end of probably a week or two from now they'll know who um they're casting because they have to do a two-week lockdown period and these people have to make arrangements with their jobs to um even go out for the show so we'll have that uh casting is nowhere near done i have seen something that's very interesting to say the least something that i I saw right before live here. I think it's very funny. I wanted to bring it up here. There is a Instagram account called uh, big.brother.live, which seems to be a spoiler account or just some weird Big Brother fan account. I really can't tell by looking at everything else that it talks about. But it seems that a longtime <laughs> Big Brother applicant Jenna Jackson is one of the finalists to be on Big Brother 23. This is really funny to me because we've been hearing about this woman for years. She's been an applicant that's been known in the community that's wanted to be on the show for years. It'd definitely be interesting to see if 
he finally gets on the show. I know for 21, there was that whole rumor, or I think it's not even a rumor anymore. I think it's been confirmed that Kat leaked her name out, and then she got pulled from the show, which is definitely interesting. I mean, if she is in finals, I hope she finally gets picked. I mean, we've been hearing about this girl for about three or four years now being on the show. So it's either it's either do or break. It's either now or never for Big Brother. Put her on the show or never put her on the show. Stop jerking her chain around. And I, I hope she does get a chance knowing that she's been a big applicant for years. I think she's a giant super fan of the show. So hopefully she gets on. I have nothing else to say about that. I just thought it was something funny to bring up because we've been hearing about this girl for a while. And now uh, some account is posting that she is uh, a finalist. I honestly thought this was a joke at first until I saw um, them posting other finalists. Like, t- 44 minutes ago at the time of this, he posted a picture of some random dude on an airplane. And it says, Adam, age 43, is one of the finalists to be on Big Brother 23. If he makes it, he'll be the old person of the season. Which I don't understand. How do they How do they know this? How do they know this stuff? It's just, like, let's do some... Let's do some... Uh, do some detective work here. Let me see. Can I save this photo? All right. So what we are doing here, what we're doing here for detective work, we are reverse Google image searching this photo that uh, Big Brother dot Big Brother dot Live has posted about this person. We're seeing if we can find anything. See if we can find the source of this image to see if this guy is even named Adam. Or this is just a random photo they pulled off of the internet somewhere. All right. So uh, our detective work has uh, our detective work has yielded no results. So I cannot confirm nor deny if this person is an Adam or if they are even going on the show. All we're seeing here in this photo is them. What looks like to be on a plane. I think that is a flight attendant behind him. This could just be a random photo of some dude on the internet. Don't always believe everything you hear on the internet, people. I think that... What's the rule? Like the the octopus and the tree? Yeah, don't don't believe octopuses and trees. So, besides that, let's move on. Something I wanted to discuss. Last week, I could not find the Big Brother 23 press release. Somebody did link it to me, and there was some interesting... Um, things I wanted to talk about here in this press release. One thing they talked about was the uh, direct announcement of Big Brother 23 in the Clubhouse event they did with the Big Brother and Love Island hosts. One thing they brought up about this is that this was the first of several Big Brother and Love Island Clubhouse events slated for this summer. Fans will have the opportunity to join conversations featuring Series talent, alumni, insiders, and experts throughout this season. Details will be announced in the coming months. So, my speculation on this is that whatever exit interviews we have from CBS this month or this season will come from the Clubhouse app. I do believe so. Or what there'll probably also be some special, like Big Brother after talk show on um, Clubhouse, like they did. I believe they did a show. Two years ago or the year before that with um, the people from Celebrity Big Brother. I don't remember their names. I think it was like Ross and Marissa hosted a show. I think it was over Big Brother 20 or 21. I can't remember what season it was. But um, so, yeah, I think we'll 
definitely be getting that and exit interviews through that show. One other thing I wanted to talk about in this press release. Something I've seen some people on the Big Brother 23 hashtag talking about on Twitter is this one line of Big Brother kicks off season 23 with a live premiere as all new group of house guests move into the newly redesigned house. Now, does this mean we're getting a new layout of the house? I have thought, definitely thought over the last couple of years that the general layout of the Big Brother house has gotten stale. It's been the same layout since Big Brother 6, which is almost... Oh, quick math here, Dave. Um, 22 seasons, I think? Wait. 10, 16, 4... 20, yeah. Like, 16 seasons. It's been the same layout for 16 seasons with, like, a little bit more... Just with, like, a different coat of paint on it. Like, I think if they want to kick off this new era of Big Brother, which is another thing we'll talk about here in a second, I do think they do need a genuine new layout. Um, If anyone wants to hear my ideas for a layout, I will just let me know, and I'll definitely talk about them next week on the podcast. I'll definitely think of how to change the layout of the house to make it more interesting. Um, However, I do just think this is... We're just going to get a new theme. We're going to get another coat of paint on the house we already know. I mean, if they were building a new house, I feel like we would hear about it by now. I do not think they are building a new house. I don't think we're ever going to get a new house or a new layout. But um, however it goes, I who knows? Maybe we will. And I'll be wrong. But I do just think we're just going to get a new coat of paint with a new theme over top the house we've known for around uh, 16 seasons now. Speaking of the new era of Big Brother, our friend Spoiler Girl, who we talked about last week, who we don't know is accurate or not. Um, This comes from the Heavy.com. Heavy.com is reporting that Spoiler Girl 1 on Twitter has revealed the new season theme, which is weird because the house theme that we talked about last week was the big brother beach club and some other like house themes that we've or twist themes that we've heard about is like casino um definitely in the press release we had um things pointing towards a casino gambling all this other stuff but she is now reporting that the season theme is titled new beginnings and it is in reference to a renaissance of sorts, maybe a new beginning of the show with their casting initiatives, hopefully some twist initiatives, hopefully new editing um, initiatives for the show as well. All that fun stuff. I don't know how well I believe this because we have had so many, we have so much mixed things from stuff we already know, like from the press release, like from things she's already said before, from this. I don't, I don't really know what to believe with this. I hope this is the direction they're going. They want to have some sort of new era for the show, and this is like they want to kickstart that themselves. I hope that's how it is, but I just don't. I just don't know if I trust her reporting. I do know that she also reports on Young and the Restless. For anyone, if anyone out there is a Young and the Restless fan out there, 
please let me know if she's any at all accurate on Young and the Restless, because I feel like that will be able to tell us if she's accurate on Big Brother, or if she even works for CBS in general. I did see a tweet from her the other day that says her family has been involved in CBS for many years, so she doesn't have to worry about her getting fired from her job if she gets figured out for being in the spoiler account. If she even is the right spoiler, if she, even if she is a true spoiler account, we don't know. Who knows? Another thing Spoiler Girl is reporting, also from the heavy do- this he- same Heavy.com article, is that Big Brother After Dark, or otherwise known as B-Bad, is not returning this season. I do believe last season of Big Brother, there was no Big Brother After Dark for the All-Star season. Just let me check on that really quick. Yeah, so Big Brother After Dark did not air last season for Big Brother All-Stars, which, I mean, if it wasn't, if it wasn't there for Big Brother All-Stars and it's not here for Big Brother 22, I do believe that means Big Brother After Dark has been canceled. I don't know where it would air because I don't know if the Pop TV channel exists anymore, and I don't think there is another subsidy of Viacom CBS that they would put the stage like to put the show on that would make sense i mean if it were me i would just air it on cbs over the course of the night because i i do think they do like what paid programming during that section so i guess they wouldn't do that but it's definitely sad to see b bad go because b bad in my opinion was a very good introduction to someone who was into big brother who didn't watch the live feeds of that of a live feed sort of experience. Yes, you are watching it on your television and it is solely controlled by the producers of the show, what you get to see and what you don't get to see. But it still is a good it still is a good um introduction. It was definitely a good introduction for me because my first memory of the live feeds at all was Big Brother After Dark. It was season fifteen. It was the first episode of Big Brother After Dark that I saw, which I believe was the, I believe it was when Aaron flipped over. I believe it was when Aaron flipped over Candace and Howard's bed in Big Brother 15. That was the first episode of Big Brother After Dark I saw. And that was a big moment. It definitely stuck with me and it always will stick with me. Um, I definitely also remember Big Brother 16. I think I, I watched Big Brother After Dark almost every night that I could. I didn't watch it every single night, but I watched it most nights. And then next, Big Brother 17, I watched some episodes of Big Brother After Dark, but then I didn't get into the live feeds until Big Brother 18, but I definitely would not have gotten into the live feeds if it wasn't for Big Brother After Dark, so I'm sad for these new fans and old fans who haven't experienced the live feeds who might want to, to be able to have Big Brother After Dark as that kind of stepping in point. Because, you know, going on to the live feeds, like, unrevoked and just going on there and seeing, or not seeing, but, like, not knowing when to watch and how to watch it is definitely daunting for new fans. And so Big Brother After Dark being gone is something really sad. And I kind of hope it's not canceled, but I can definitely see a reason why it's being canceled. Uh, One last thing to talk about for Big Brother on the podcast this week is that uh, Beth from Big Brother Canada 9 
did an interview over on the uh, Reality Podcast, which is a new podcast that I have found. Uh, she, there's nothing really I can say about this interview. It was only like thirty, like thirty-eight to forty minutes long. It seems like she had a great experience with the show, um, despite some of the fan reaction to her. Also, I, I am privy to knowing that she did say some things that weren't great and a little problematic. I have no idea what she said. I, I just don't know what she did to have such a negative fan reaction to her. If she said anything problematic, I just don't know. Please, someone, uh, privy me to that, if you will. Um, some things she said in this interview that stuck out to me is that she said she had to cut Jed there at the final six, which I disagree with. I don't think she needed to vote Jed out. Especially if Jed comes back into the game, she has to go back with him, but if she votes for him out, if she votes him out and he comes back in, what's stopping Jed from going with Ty? Because Jed probably didn't believe that Ty cut him at that point. I don't know. But Ty, Jed could easily came back into the game. Ty could have gotten onto Jed's side if he needed to, and just been like it was best plan. And like, there's nothing that Beth would have been able to do if he did that because he vote, she voted for him to leave. She had no defense against um, Ty if Ty decided to pull that card, which is definitely bad for her. But yeah, again, there's nothing really to say about this interview. Seems like she had a great experience with the show. Seems like she's having a great experience after the show. I guess. I mean, it seems like a kind of fake interview to me. Like, she didn't seem like she was being very genuine with what she was saying half the time. But that's just my opinion. So, yeah, let's move on. Nothing to really say about that. Let's move on. The The Survivor offseason is now officially over as of this morning. We'll be returning on June 3rd, which I believe... Anisu, which I believe is how you pronounce that. Please correct me if I'm wrong. She is she, she is a medical doctor, yoga teacher, and small business owner. Um, just from reading her bio, it seems like she's going to be, if not good at the game, at least a calming presence in the game, and definitely a person in the game that people are going to be able to look to and go to and be able to trust. There's nothing about her from this paragraph that I have read that makes me feel like people are going to target her or have a reason to not trust her or not play with her. So I definitely think she will probably go far in the game, if not be in contention to win. But I'm also, again, I'm basing that off a paragraph, which is not very good analysis by me, but this is just coming out of my brain. Um, the next person we have to talk about is... Chappies Chapman. Um, <laughs> this person stuck out to me because he has a nickname. He seems like a person that's only here because he's going to be a character. I don't really know if he is going to be a player in the game. It's definitely interesting to see if he is. Also, I know nothing about International Survivor, so I don't know if these people that do come in with nicknames are genuinely good players or if they're generally just characters on the show. But I know of, on Survivor, people that come in for the first time with nicknames like Coach are more 
characters than they are like actual players driving the strategy of the game. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how he does in the game and what he does in the game. The next person I have to talk about is Jason Brookstein. Um, I picked out Jason here because he he's the typical Joe Aussie archetype that we see on Survivor just by looking at him. He also cites Joe Anglum and and Ozzy as his favorite players. I do think I do think he will play better than those though. He does cite Sarah Lucina as one of his favorite Survivor players. I personally personally I don't like Sarah Lucina as a Survivor player, but I definitely can say she is a good Survivor player and he definitely if he pulls some things from Sarah's game, I definitely think he will perform better than Joe and Ozzy, and he could be in potential to win the game. Now, now being the Joe Ozzy archetype that we see on Survivor so much, I definitely think he'll be targeted towards the merge early for that reason, maybe even earlier than that. Maybe he'll be the pre-merge, like the pre-merge, like the, the vote before the merge boot that we see a lot in modern Survivor where the person that's a threat goes home before that, or the first merge person to go home boot. I could definitely see that being a trajectory for him. The next person that I saw that I wanted to talk about was uh, Carla Gubb. Now, here on Inside Survivor, next to her name, it has her name as 26, or has her age as 26, but in her bio, it says she's 29. So I don't, I don't know which one is factual. I'm gonna go with the um, I'm gonna go with the bio as being factual because I assume they just probably pulled this from the press release. But um, so Carla Grubb, the reason why she stuck out to me was because she definitely understands that you cannot go into the game with a set strategy. She says in her bio. She believes you can never be prepared in this game. The reason is because this game is so different every season. Every player is unique, which makes it impossible to predict what's going to happen and how to play. So based off of that, I can definitely see her being as a person that's just going to go in there and just be herself and play her game and not really um, go in there with a set strategy and not be able to adapt and mold from that. I think she could probably be very adaptable, especially since knowing that she has watched every season of Survivor that has aired so far. So it'll I think she'll definitely be good at the game if she has that mindset going in. Again, I don't know. I'm reading a paragraph here. Um last person to talk about that I thought he's gonna be an interesting character, I think. I don't know how great of a player he's gonna be. But, and the person I want to talk about is a Kieran or Kyran, I don't know, or Kyran, I don't know how to say his name, but it's K-I-R-A-N. And he is a 29-year-old strategy consultant. And from his bio, I can get that he's very competitive, which will definitely be interesting to see, because he says playing for fun is quite literally the most annoying concept in this world to him. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how he takes the game, how seriously he takes the game. Is he going to take it way too seriously, or is he 
going to be able to stay laid back because the thing is with these strategy like these business strategy people that we see come into these shows is that they they come in and they're not really good at the game because they look at the game as a purely strategic um sort of game they don't understand that there's a major aspect of this game is social i don't know if he's gonna see that especially being as competitively driven as him i feel like he's gonna be a very keep the uh, tribe strong keep the numbers strong type of person and i think he could that could impact him in the game and so he very stuck out to me as someone to watch for uh, Survivor South Africa, I do not know personally if I'm going to cover it here on the podcast. I might watch the first episode when it airs this week, and I'll make a determination for that. So, again, these are the five people that I think did great. We will definitely see if I cover it here on the podcast. Maybe we'll do kind of a trial run of the player rankings and uh, game board just to get a feel for it before Big Brother 23 happens. Let's move into our final segment. So I told you guys at the beginning of the podcast that I watched, or I was going to give my thoughts on Survivor Redemption Island, Survivor One World, and Big Brother 3. Um, the reason for that is, so a little bit of a life update for me. Last Sunday, I got my second COVID shot. And many of you know that when people get their second COVID shots, they come down with a lot of symptoms. And they get really sick. My roommate got really sick from the vaccine. He was throwing up. He had a fever. A couple of my other friends had a lot of the same symptoms. So the day before I got the shot, I was like, all right, what I'm going to do, I think I'm going to be way too sick to do anything. So I'm going to put together a list of Survivor seasons that I hadn't seen yet. I hadn't seen Redemption Island or One World yet. And I'm going to put a season, I'm going to put a list of Big Brother seasons that I hadn't seen in a long time or wanted to watch again for the second time because I've watched them when they aired and hadn't watched them since. And then I put a list of challenge seasons together. I've never watched MTV's The Challenge, so I asked my roommate, who is a big, avid fan of The Challenge, to put together a list of seasons for me. And I we came down to 10 each... And here were each 10 seasons that were on this list. We had Big Brother 15, Big Brother 4, BB, Big Brother 20, Big Brother 14, Big Brother 6, Big Brother 5, Big Brother 3, Big Brother 11, Big Brother 18, and Big Brother 13 for the Big Brother side of the list. For Survivor, we had Survivor Africa, Survivor Marquesas, Survivor Gabon, Survivor Redemption Island, Survivor South Pacific, Survivor Guatemala, Survivor Vanuatu, Survivor One World, and All-Stars, which I did talk about at the beginning of the podcast. I have only seen two episodes of All-Stars, so that's why it was in the list to make it out, round it out to 10. And the last season on the Survivor side was Survivor token genes now for now for the challenge portion of the list again the challenge is a show that i have never experienced before i've only experienced it through my roommate so i've only ever really seen clips or parts of the show at times so i have no basis for the challenge at all i know 
people from the challenge. Like I know, obviously, like Johnny Bananas and CT and Wes and Cara Maria and all those and all the Big Brother and Survivor people that have been on the challenge. But I don't really know much about the challenge, so I threw it into this list of thirty because I wanted to start to watch it and try to get into it. So the challenge seasons my roommate recommended to me were season 18 the ruins season 19 fresh meat 2 season 20 cutthroat season 21 rivals season 23 battle of the seasons season 24 rivals 2 season 26 battle of the x's 2 season 31 vendettas season 32 final reckoning and season 34 world the worlds 2 now if you're listening and you don't think oh, those are not good seasons to get someone into the challenge. You should definitely not watch those first to get into the challenge. Take it up with my roommate. Don't take it up with me. I just took his recommendation. So, what I decided to do with these 30 is that I put them in a random list generator. I randomly generated the list with all 30 of these in here. And then I spun a wheel from 1 to 30. And on that wheel spin what came up first was survivor redemption island i watched redemption island in one day i a big thing that i hear about this season is that this season is boring this season is predictable this season is a slog and this season rob just dominates the whole game i definitely wouldn't say it's a slog I mean, to be fair, I did watch a lot of it in the background, kind of, but it definitely is boring, it definitely is predictable, definitely knowing the outcome, and Rob definitely stomps everybody. I don't think there's really a lot to say about Redemption Island. Some few things that I can talk about is uh, Matt Elrod and his journey on Redemption Island is definitely a good story story i guess if you can like he's not really involved into the game until he comes back at the merge and then gets royally voted out there by rob again at the merge which i honestly thought was a very big move and a very honestly one rob the game if rob doesn't make that move i don't think he gets all the way to the end of the game but him making that move especially with Ralph, I think his name was, playing the idol there and then voting out, or burning the idol, I should say, on um, whoever else was in his tribe. I cannot remember that he played the idol on. You know, I, I literally just watched this season a week ago today. And them voting out Matt, burning the idol and voting out someone who would definitely turn on them at some point was such a big move and something that I is definitely talked about a lot, but definitely not talked about enough for how masterfully it was pulled off and how masterfully it won him the game like in one stroke he pretty much just took out his biggest competition took out his only threat to get him voted out and got him out of the game in one fell swoop and took out the idol as well so i thought that was definitely a big deal i definitely think people should definitely talk about it more when it talks about one of the greatest moves in survivor now um, let's talk about Rob's game a little bit. I will say that 
the conspiracy theory out there that they put Rob and Russell on tribes where they re- one tribe really liked Rob and the other tribe really disliked Russell and that was done on purpose. I can definitely see that considering when Rob came into his tribe, everyone loved him and when Russell went into his tribe, everyone hated him, which is definitely an interesting point to discuss. However, I don't think, I think there is more, there's something people are missing about this, especially with Rob. Rewatch those tribal councils again, and every time Jeff brings something up, or not Jeff, but someone brings something negative up about Rob trying to get Rob targeted, Jeff immediately pipes up and starts complimenting Rob and saying how good Rob is, which in my opinion, that's kind of just blatant production manipulation. You're you're taking this thing where people are trying to bring up something negative about a player so people will make a move against him, and then production is piping in saying, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not right. This is the truth. And they have all reason to believe production and not the player in the game. So I definitely feel it's just genuine production manipulation, and it definitely helps Rob down the stretch. Not that he needed a lot of help, in my opinion, but it's definitely something to talk about when we talk about production maybe uh, being involved in trying to get him the win here, which... I can definitely see it, but who knows. Some other things to talk about here is Rice Wars. Rice Wars, I thought, was definitely an interesting conversation that to have on the show and a conversation that needed to have happen on the show, especially in today's day and age and back then. Um, the topic of race and using the word crazy to describe a black man is definitely... Not okay, but here's the thing about this. So let's let's set this up. Let's talk about what actually happened. So Ometepe's rice got moldy, and they or their rice container broke. So part of their rice got wet and got moldy. They separated out their rice, and they wanted to put the old rice that they had into the Zapatera, which I believe their tribe's name was called, into their bucket. Zapatera said, no, you cannot do that, which, let's think about this for a second. That is totally fair for them to do, to say no to them, you cannot do this. Here's the reason why. The whole thing Opatebe was doing was completely ostracizing the other tribe and not eating any of their food, not letting them take from their rice, not letting them even sleep in the same shelter, so they completely made an us-versus-them mentality against Zapatera, and them doing that made Zapatera hate them, and Opatebe hate Zapatera. So it, I think it's definitely okay for Zapatera to say no to that. They should say no to that. They've ostracized these people for the whole game, and now that they need something from them, they freak out when... Like, them freaking out at that is totally like, asinine for them to do because they've treated this other tribe like shit. So why should they um, let this other tribe do this thing that would benefit Ometepe? Not really. It wouldn't benefit Zapatera at all. 
So maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe someone will tell me, oh, no, you're wrong about this. You're wrong about that. But um, the fight between um, the fight between Philip and the guy's name, I cannot remember now what his name was, was definitely, I think it definitely went too far at points, not on Philip's end, but on the other guys and I'm glad that they definitely did bring it up but I definitely think the lead up to that fight was a little bit ridiculous and a little bit asinine of Omotepe to be upset about but the actual results of what happened were definitely okay for them to be mad about some other things uh Andrea Andrea I can definitely see watching this season now why Andrea is a fan favorite. She was involved with Rob, and she was really the only person that tried to make a move against Rob. To be fair, she should have made a a move against Rob way before that. She just decided not to, and she got voted out early because of it. Um, and she even got voted out, went to Redemption Island, and came back. So there's that, and couldn't really do anything afterwards because Rob had the idol, and Rob wasn't gonna go home. So. I can definitely respect her as a player and a character after that, but every other subsequent time she has played really poorly. And those are the only other seasons that I've seen of her being Caramon and a Game Changer. So I never really got the hype until I saw this season. And she was the only person out of a group of uh, 20 people that was trying to actually do something against Rob. Or not 20 people, but like the 10 people on her tribe that was trying to do something against Rob. But yeah, Philip. Philip, I believe, is a really great character. I really had a fun time watching Philip. And I definitely think Philip deserves more credit as a player. He definitely comes to the right conclusion strategically on what to do, especially in the early goings when he was trying to um, get out Rob and try to go with. Uh, the girl who had the idol, I cannot remember her name at this point, and trying to get them to flip and go at, after Rob. And also later on when Rob invites him into the Alliance and he tries to get her to stick around, which is definitely a good move on his part. The problem with Philip is that he doesn't know how to implement these ideas that he has. And the way he implements them backfires on him and also the other problem is that rob is there and rob like rob is there and rob completely outplays him because of course he should he's one of the best players in the game he's on his fourth time playing so he should be able to do that and so yeah he he has the right ideas strategically he just doesn't know how to implement them if he knew how to implement them right i think philip would have been able to be a good player so, uh, moving on to Survivor One World, I. So here, here's what happened. I finished Redemption Island. I rolled the wheel again. The wheel came up on Big Brother Three. We will talk about Big Brother Three in a moment because I have some a lot of things to talk about Big Brother Three about. And what happened between Big Brother Three and One World is that I started watching Big Brother Three, and then I started watching it with some of my friends in uh, the Discord server that I'm in. So, keep watching new seasons, and because I wasn't going to be able to watch all of Big Brother 3 in a week. 
I watching Rule of Three periodically now until um until Big Brother twenty three starts. And hopefully gonna try and finish it before Big Brother twenty three starts. But so what I decided to do was watch um or what I decided to do was spin the wheel again and the wheel came up on Survivor One World. Survivor One World, you can say a lot of the same things about Redemption Island. However, I do think I would rank One World farther under Redemption Island. I had a way funner time watching Redemption Island than I did watching One World. Mostly because I thought a lot of the people on this cast for One World were genuinely just terrible people. Um, First, I did not like Alicia. I thought some of the things she said and did, especially towards Christina, irked me the wrong way. I feel really bad for Christina that she had to go through all that bullying and torment towards her for really no reason that we saw on the show. They were just kind of against Christina to be against Christina, it seemed like, which is definitely, I definitely don't think it's okay, and I definitely don't think um, that should be, not, not be allowed, but like not be tolerated in the game. I don't think bullying should be tolerated in a game for a million dollars. So yeah, I feel really bad for her. Another person I just genuinely didn't like, I did not like Tarzan. Tarzan was genuinely just kind of a weirdo. Like, he starts, like, after Kat gets voted out, he starts wearing her clothes and even wears her panties on his head, which is... That's so bizarre. Why would you put another person's underwear on your head around a bunch of people that were her friends and allies before they voted her out and think that that's okay? Like, that's just very weird. And I did not like it. And I went, I'm glad everyone in the cast piped up and said something to him about it. Because if it was up to Tarzan, he probably would have walked in the tribal wearing his under, wearing her underwear on her head. And that would not have been okay. And definitely was not okay that he was wearing her clothes, in my opinion. And the last person on the cast, I think this person might now be my least favorite person to ever play um, Survivor or really be on any reality show, and that's Colton. I know people sandbag on Colton a lot. The only season I saw him in beforehand was... um, Survivor Blood vs. Water, and he just kind of quits in that season. I don't know if he has changed now or not. I hope he has, because a lot of the things he does and says in this season are genuinely mean, bullying, and most of the time just racist. Like, he is just genuinely racist against Bill. Like, he calls him ghetto trash, he tells him to get a real job, and he tells him to go kill himself because he doesn't have a real job. Like, how can you say those things about a black man and think that that's okay and think that's not racist and think you are not racist in the, like, in the process of saying those things or even reflecting on those things? Those things are just genuinely racist comments to make. And I can't believe CBS, even on the reunion show, did an apology tour for this man, probably because they wanted him back on the show again, which is genuinely sad that they wanted to do an apology tour for this dude 
that was genuinely just a racist. Let's be real about here. He was just a racist on the island, especially with his, again, with his behavior towards Bill and towards other contestants like Christina and other contestants like Leaf as well, calling him an Oompa Loompa and also a lot of other generally bad things to say about little people. Like, how could they do this? Like, I know this was a part of the era of Survivor where they were just trying to find more Russell Hance people. That's why we got people like Nayanka and we got people like Colton and we got other people that were generally just bad people and put them on Survivor because they made good television. The things Colton said were just not okay and it made me genuinely hate him. Like, not as a player or anything, but as a person. I also don't agree with this narrative that if Colton would have gotten to the merge that the game would have been completely different and the game would have changed. I think Kim had complete control of all the women. And I don't think Colton would have changed that at all. I think Colton eventually would have just rubbed everyone the wrong way and they would have voted him out anyway. Even if he did have the idol. Because Colton is not going to go on an immunity run because Kim wins all the most of the immunities. I think she wins four immunities in this season. So eventually Colton is just going to get voted out. And there's not going to be a lot of flips going on because Colton will just be gone. And also, we don't even know if that tribe would have gone to tribal if they would have voted Colton out anyway. Because they might have. Who knows? Other thoughts on One World? I thought Kim played a completely masterful game. I think she definitely... And in terms of people that played very dominant strategic games between her and Rob, I think Kim has a very big edge just because she didn't really have a lot of, in my opinion, the production manipulation around her. And also, she was her first time playing playing against first-time players, whereas Rob was playing on his fourth time against first-time players. Kim definitely plays a great game. I also definitely think Sabrina does play a great game. I think Chelsea also plays a really good game. It was just she was the third of those three, in my opinion. Everyone else on the... All the other players on the season, um, Jay, I thought, was just okay. I remember hearing about Jay Hype before. I don't get it. I think he's just a good-looking dude on the show. That's all That's all, That's all. all I get out of him. Uh, with Jonas, I definitely thought he was a fun character on the show. I definitely liked his confessionals. Leaf, I also thought, was a fun character on the show. Definitely made some really bad... Uh, moves strategically like definitely telling bill that he's going home even though he he shouldn't have done that but also the way the the guys handled that was definitely wrong as well they shouldn't have given up immunity to do that which was also a very also another thing that made me hate colton is that he literally did that just so he could vote out bill just because he didn't like him which is ridiculous that he he gave up immunity so he could vote on a person that could have been on his side because it was definitely clearly a men versus women divide in that season. Um, Mike, I think, is of so because I literally just watched this season today, so I will definitely forget about him just like I forgot about a lot of the Redemption Island people. Mike was the most forgettable person on this cast easily. I can't even tell you any kind of confessionals he had, what moves he made in the game his character, his occupation. I couldn't tell you anything about Mike. Every time I saw him, I was like, oh, that guy, he's on the show. Like, that's generally what I think about Mike. I don't... 
he's easily the most forgettable person on this cast. The last person to talk about is Troyzan. I do think Troyzan gets ragged on a lot because of Game Changers and how little he kind of did in Game Changers, even though he gets to the final three. But I definitely think Troyzan deserves a little bit more credit for trying to get things to flip on the girls and like trying to get people to turn against Kim. And he definitely does some good things there. I think the biggest problem with Troyzan is that he is a little delusional. Troyzan, very delusional in this season, to th- especially in the reunion, to think that he is one of the greatest survivors of all time, or I don't even believe that people even told him that. I think people literally did not tell him that, and he just went up there and said that, because I believe Troyzan is probably that delusional. Also, him not voting for Kim in the final three, I do think was a little bit of bitterness, especially with the things that we know of Kim potentially maybe breaking the rules by talking to people before Tribal about a vote switch. I think the vote switch, he went home. If she did that, I mean, good on her, and production didn't catch it, good on her. I don't know if it was in the rules. I don't think we ever had confirmation that it's in the rules that they're not supposed to talk or even word anything, or mouth words to each other. However, I do think he is delusional, and I do think his vote for Sabrina, although a vote for Sabrina is earned, I do think, or like, I do think a vote for Sabrina is fair, and I do think it is an okay thing to do. I just think it comes from a point of of being bitter about what, about the, him getting him out and also when at final tribal when people like jonas bring up things about kim about her like perfecting the art of a blind side and all these other accolades that people bring her about and he they cut the troys in and troys in is rolling his eyes so i do think he was generally very bitter towards kim and i think he's probably even admitted that lastly one world i would put it I would put it down toward down towards the bottom of my season rankings. I will definitely do a a full season rankings when I have watched every season because I definitely want to watch every season before I do a season rankings because uh, how can I rank it if I haven't seen it right? So I definitely think it would definitely be towards the bottom. I do think Kim would be in probably in my top three of winners of winning games on the show. Uh, besides that, yeah, uh, Survivor One World was good, or it was good. It was okay. I had an okay time watching it. And besides that, that's all I gotta say on Survivor One World. Let's talk about Big Brother Three. Big Brother Three. I rolled it on the wheel, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I haven't watched this season in a long time." Um, it was genuinely rated very low on my season rankings because. I think I saw it once back in high school was the first time I watched it. And I wasn't genuinely impressed by it. But now, going back to it, especially after some of the seasons we've had of Big Brother, going back to it and watching it, it's like a breath of fresh air. It it shoots up in my season rankings. I think it's even better than Big Brother 2, which I definitely think is a popular opinion that I have done. Definitely scoping the internet about opinions about Big Brother 3. I think that is the general consensus that Big Brother 3 is better than 2. 
I think what makes this season so great is the characters on the show, like Marcellus and Jason and Roddy and even Jerry and Danielle and all these other people, that it's not that Big Brother doesn't cast good people on the show anymore, is that I don't think the show does a good job of editing these people and giving us a good understanding of these people's characters on the show. Like, something this season does very well, especially Old Big Brother does very well, is the diary rooms. Every time I watch the diary room segments on the show, I feel like I'm watching a therapy session. I don't feel like I'm watching a stand-up, a forced stand-up comedy bit every time I watch the show, or every time I hear a confessional, or every time I hear a strategic confessional. Every time I hear a strategic confessional, I feel like these words are coming from the contestants, and they're not being fed from them from the producers or the producers are trying to get them to say it with a joke or with more enthusiasm or with some kind of acting involved. I definitely feel like all these are genuine. I'm getting a good sense of what these people think and what these people and who these people are, especially in the game. Um, I would definitely... So where I'm at right now in the season, I'm at... Eric just went home. And they just revealed that one of the final, or one of the first four evictees will be coming back. Something weird about this twist is that they flew these people out around the world to vacation. Which is definitely weird, because in today's day and age of social media, you could not do this. You could not take these people out of sequester and fly them around. They would either find a way to get information about what's going on in the game, knowing that one of them is going back, or some crazy Big Brother fa- or some Big Brother fan could be out in like Cancun or somewhere or the where or the Caribbean. I think that's where they sent uh, Tanya. And Jen, like a Big Brother fan, could see them and be like, "Oh, I just saw Tanya out here in uh, the Philippines," and then some crazy Big Brother fan could try to track them down and tell them some. Like, either tell them truths about the game or lies, knowing that one of them might go into the back into the house. So, you could never do that today. And I'm very, I'm very glad we haven't seen something like that. I'm even surprised it's going back in here they even did that. Especially considering the budget this show had by the, the competitions that we've seen in the show. The very low production competitions we've seen. That they were like, yeah... Our lo- let's spend all of our budget flying everyone out to different exotic locations um, and sending them on vacation. Which is, I didn't understand why they did that or felt the need to spend their budget on that. Some other genuine thoughts about the season so far. I think Jason and Danielle are easily playing the best game in the house. I definitely think Jason is playing better than Danielle. I think Jason, seeing what I'm, I've seen right now, Jason would have beaten um, Danielle in a final two, and I definitely think that's the popular opinion that Jason would have beaten Danielle. And I definitely do think Jason is a better player than Danielle, honestly. Some other thoughts. I think another... I do think Roddy is a very underrated player now, now that I've actually seen him play. I know that's been an opinion floating around in the Big Brother fandom for a while, that Roddy is a very underrated player. 
I would like to see. I know it's never going to happen, but I would like to see Roddy come back and play again. But considering now he was around, I think he was like 30-something when the show came, when he was on the show, and now he would be almost in his 50s. I think he'd be 49 today. So I don't think we'll ever be able to get to see him on the show, but I would like to see him, if it was possible, come back and see him play again to see what he can do now, especially being 20 years later, or 19 years later, actually. The whole th- week one thing with Jerry and Josh and Marcellus, I, I, I hesitate to say if what Josh was doing was homophobically and racially charged at Marcellus to target him, but from what we know from other seasons like Big Brother 21 and all these other seasons, when there is a person that is a minority and someone that looks different from everyone from looks and is different from everyone else in the cast, they generally tend to be targeted and it is kind of a microaggressive thing that happens. So Jerry, I do believe was definitely right at that. I think the way Jerry went about it was definitely wrong. I think even to Marcellus and Danielle, I think he rubs them the wrong way being a little bit preachy. Like, he gets a little bit preachy about that kind of stuff. Um, But I also definitely think the way Josh goes about it is wrong. Calling him a Nazi and picking on him for no reason and generally, like, hitting him with a lizard in his sleep, which is something I saw on the episode the other day, or last night when I watched it, is generally wrong things. I will say, I think Marcellus is my favorite character on the show right now. And I think that Josh is easily my least favorite on the show. Josh is, how you say, a creepazoid. He is literally, he does not age, I don't even think he aged well back then, but he does not age well in Big Brother Now. If you put this guy on Big Brother Now when he was going around being just generally a creep towards all the women and also saying a bunch of the things, Twitter would... Twitter would hang him upside down by his feet and light him on fire. Like, he would be probably more hated than most of the people in Big Brother 21, even though I don't know if that's possible. But a lot of the things he says and does do not fly now. They definitely didn't fly back then because they were everyone was rubbed the wrong way by him. He's easily my least favorite character on the show, and I just... I don't know what more to say about Josh because he... He somehow keeps finding a way to just slither by. I think it's because everyone knows... I think it's because he knows that, or everyone else knows that, they're going to win the game if they go to the end with Josh. I feel like that is definitely a thing that's been talked about in the house. You've seen it in the episodes. So that's the only reason why I see him sliding by. And (laughs) it's interesting with that being kind of a narrative... And also, every time he doesn't go on the block, people are like, why isn't Josh going up? Why isn't Josh going up? Even though they know if they go to the end with Josh, they win. So, I don't know. Uh, It's definitely interesting to see the um, the early ideas of a big majority alliance happening in this show, because we get... Especially in week one, we get the giant majority alliance with Josh and Jerry and 
uh, Roddy and Kiara and Lisa and Eric, which I don't think we saw that in Big Brother 2. I don't really know if we saw that. I think we we definitely did see that in Big Brother 4 with the Elite 8, but they all break up pretty fast. It's definitely interesting to see the early beginnings of those strategies of trying to have a giant minority alliance that or majority alliance that takes it down to the final two or the, to the end. But, um, I definitely miss this era of big brother when everyone's playing for themselves and not playing for their team. I definitely understand that being in a giant majority alliance is better for your game and will get you farther in the game than playing as a floater. But, the floater games are always been way more interesting to me, and I definitely like them more watching them than the giant. The giant alliance wins the power, and the giant alliance puts two people up, and then one person goes home because the giant alliance said so. So, it's definitely, I definitely did like seeing the alliance implode on itself in week one. I wish we would do that. That would happen more often in modern Big Brother. The only time we've seen it happen in a recent Big Brother is Big Brother 21. But um, the less said about that season, the better, even though I've brought it up a few times in this review. One other thing I wanted to bring up about this season is the competitions. Not necessarily the food comps. The, comp, the food comps are kind of fluff. They're just kind of there, and I don't think they're really that interesting. But the competitions I do want to talk about are the veto competitions and the HOH competitions. Every single one of these competitions has been either a quiz comp or an elimination comp. I definitely like that each variation of these competitions are different. They have the same general theme, but they're different. Like, for example, in the HOH competitions, we had the one where it was the normal everyone's in their own box and they answer questions and if they get it wrong, they're eliminated and the last person standing wins. There was that one. And then there was the blindfold competition, which I hope, I kind of want to see a return of this competition because I like the idea of it. I don't think you need to blindfold these contestants. I think what you can do is just put, just put walls up between them and have the walking pass ahead of them. That's all you need to do. And then maybe have a bird's eye view of that because I think they probably blindfolded them and didn't put walls up because... It would have been bad for TV, but you can definitely, with the backyard nowadays, get just like a bird's eye camera view of that or just straight on just by putting walls up. Yeah, I I also like quiz competitions more than the general skill-based competitions we get in Big Brother nowadays or endurance-based. Because we see them play out on the live show, we don't have to wait for the feeds to come on two to three hours later to find out who won it or even wait till Sunday and to find out who won it. And it takes away from the show. It takes away from the strategy of the show because they feel like they need a competition on Sunday. Also with the veto competition, I like that they are elimination comps and that you do have to target someone in the game to get them out. Like, especially with, the first one where they had to shoot the balls into someone's had to shoot the balls into someone's container to get them out. And if we thought that was an interesting concept because it gets people 
fighting against each other. It's like, oh, you targeted me in the veto comp, so now I'm going to target you in the veto comp. And then going back into the house, they kind of bicker and fight with each other. Or maybe will cause some drama between each other, which is what I like. I wish the competitions meant more in the game than just being a general competition. And I definitely like that. I also liked the competition after that where they played the game with the boxes. I definitely thought it was an interesting game to play by offering up things in the house to give to people. I definitely think something you could do with that with that game is maybe have it be some kind of Yankee swap kind of competition where they don't know what are in here. Like it could be prizes or punishments. Everyone has a box and everyone gets to take a look into the box to see what it is. And they close it at the beginning and then they pass the boxes around somehow. I, I don't know. I definitely like that competition. I would definitely like to see it again. I don't know if it ever comes up again in big brother four, big brother five, or I know it doesn't come up in big brother six or any other season after that. But I definitely did like that competition, and I would like to see more interesting games like that as competitions instead of just the basic run-around skill-based endurance comps that we've gotten in modern Big Brother because there's definitely more to think about there with that kind of competition. I also liked seeing the early... I definitely liked seeing the early... Um, beginnings of the night moves veto comp that we saw in Big Brother 6 and then we saw it again this season in Big Brother 22 as an HOH comp. I do like that competition. I do think I do think adding the night moves to it adds to the competition and I definitely think it's definitely an interesting comp because anyone can win that style of competition and definitely targeting people in a certain way and how people play that kind of competition can get people to bicker and think differently of each other in the game. Because um, we definitely see it. People get mad that no one targets Kiara, and then Kiara wins the veto. And we get a person that should use the veto on one of her allies, even though if she does, one of her allies will go home. And now she has this power, and she has to make a decision that we probably wouldn't get that if it was just a general skill-based competition that she could easily throw. So, give me more competitions like that, Big Brother. I'm trying to think of something else to say about Big Brother 3. I think I've exhausted all my thoughts on the season so far. Yeah, I think that's everything that I want to talk about Big Brother 3. Now, what I'm going to do is I definitely want to talk about a season per week. I had a fun time doing talking about these three seasons. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to randomly generate the list again. And I'm going to spin the wheel. And we are going to see what season we watch next week. Or what season we talk about next week. So let's get the random wheel generator here. All right. So what we're going to do here is we're going to randomly generate the list of seasons. And then we are going to spin the wheel. Each corresponding number of those seasons will uh, determine how many wheel spots there are. So we have Big Brother 15, Big Brother 4, Big Brother 20, Big Brother 14, Big Brother 6, Big Brother 5, Big Brother 3, 
Oh, we already talked about Big Brother 3, so Big Brother 11, Big Brother 18, Big Brother 13, Africa, Marquesas, Gabon, South Pacific, Guatemala, Vanuatu, All-Stars, Token Chains, The Challenge of the Ruins, Fresh Meat, Cutthroat, Rivals, Battle of the Seasons, Rivals 2, Battle of the Exes 2, Vendettas, Final Reckoning, and War of the Worlds 2. And that leaves us with that leaves us with 27 seasons and 27 spots on the wheel. Alright, so let's set this up. We got 1 through 20 as the in, or 27 as the inputs. Let's go ahead and spin the wheel. We have randomly generated the list of the 27 seasons. And the wheel has picked number 18. And number 18 is Survivor Marquesas. So tune in back next week for my thoughts on Survivor Marquesas. I'm definitely interested to watch Mar Survivor Marquesas. We have now watched Boston Rob's winning game, and now we will go back and watch Boston Rob's first losing game. We also got Sean Rector, Kathy Vavrick O'Brien, the winner, Vesepia. Is her name last name Townsend, I think is her last name. And we also have the first rock draw in that season, so we are definitely definitely interested to see how that season plays out and how how see if it holds up, because I definitely had an interesting time with Old School Survivor. So, one last thing I wanted to talk about here. So, after watching Big Brother 3, I came up with a list of things that I want to see from Big Brother 22. That I know we... I didn't include things on the list that I know we are getting, like more cast, diversity, um, things like that. So what I put on the list were general game changes and general production changes to the show. So let's go with the first thing I have on the list here. The first thing, the first thing that I have here is. Re the return of real diary rooms. What I mean by real diary rooms are diary rooms from like Big Brother 3, where I feel like, again, like I feel like I'm watching a therapy session with these contestants. I don't feel like I'm watching some rehearsed um, recording that they have done over and over and over again to try to get the best take and best response to a question. I feel like I'm just easily seeing their thoughts and what they're thinking about the game. Because we come to Big Brother for the characters and for the games. I feel like the diary rooms now, they don't give us the opportunity to see that. We, so what we see is a produced version of these people. I want to see a more real version of these people, and I feel like unproduced, unscripted diary rooms are the best way for us to get that. The next thing on the list is, again, another thing I liked from Big Brother 3, and that is more variance in the challenge types that we have. So, again, something Big Brother 3 did very well is that in the beginning of the game, they had more quiz competitions and more less skill-based competitions with the veto and other things like that. 
I want more competitions. Also, like we saw in Big Brother Canada 9 this season. I want to see competitions like that where they're not genuinely like, oh, you're the most athletic person, you win. I don't I don't like that in Big Brother. I definitely don't like that in the end game of Big Brother. I think that's why we've gotten the winners that we've gotten in the past couple of seasons. And I think with more challenge variants, more variants in the game will happen. We'll definitely be able to break up these giant majority alliances so i definitely think something like that is definitely a necessity for the show and for the game going forward another product another editing sort of thing i want to see change in big brothers that i want to see less meaningless forced unfunny segments like we get in big brother again these segments that where it's just people like Paul shouting things in the diary room or genuine conversations that have nothing to do with the game or with the characters on the show or who they are as people. It's just them trying to do funny, wacky, zany things, and it's very forced. It doesn't fit into the narrative of what's going on around the house at all. And what I want to see more of is something we see in Big Brother 3 a lot is more house life, and character profile segments. Like what I mean by a character profile segment is something like I saw with Jason in a recent episode I watched of Big Brother 3, where every house guest talks about Jason and how nice he is, but yet Danielle is there saying how nefarious Jason actually is. I want to see more segments like that where it's a general all the house guests and the house guests themselves are talking about who they are in the house, and what game they're playing. I want to see more things like that. I want to get a better sense of who these characters are. I don't want some filler fluff segment that we get a lot of nowadays. And I also want to see more segments of these people interacting in ways that actually impact the storyline going on. Like, again, with more... More segments of like how people feel about this one house guest, like with Jerry, how the house felt about him. Segments like that. I want more segments like that. I do not want, again, more segments that are unfunny, forced, and meaningless that will never be referenced again on the show unless they do, unless they do another recap episode. Again, another thing I want to see leave from Big Brother is the recap episode. One big change I would definitely make to Big Brother is make the recap episode less about the season and more about the players left in the game of the final three. They kind of did that with All-Stars. But here's how I would change that. So, one thing, one thing that people have been talking about for a while, especially with the final two in the live, in the live finale, is that the people in the final two do not get enough time to explain their games. Which I wish is what we would have gotten last season, considering the finale did not need to be live. They could have easily done a pre-recorded finale and let Enzo and Cody fully explain their games to the jury, have a fully jury questioning with them. They decided not to do it for some reason. But what I would do, instead of going back to the final two thing, which they are not going to do, and not have a pre-recorded finale, is what I would do in that final three episode have like kind of a montage of all these people's games, have them kind of talk about it a little bit, maybe reflect a little bit back about the people, 
But then the ending segment, or like the second half of that episode, is these players get pulled into the diary room and they talk to the jury, whether it be through telephone or through a teleprompter or something. Let them be able to talk to the jury and explain their games in private because if they can do it in private, they can definitely say more about their games considering there's still another vote to happen. There's still the final three HOH to happen. So, and like you just let them answer general questions. You don't let, you don't let the jury ask them things that could impact the game more, just general questions about their game and kind of things like that. I think doing that could definitely get the jury talking about more things. Also, you can also do the jury segment from the finale in this episode. You could definitely put it in this episode and then maybe let there be additional questions in the finale that we don't get anymore because you're going to cut a 10-minute segment out and then you can give 10 minutes for that. You can give them longer speeches in the finale. You can also, when the final three person gets voted out, you can let them um, have more que- let them be able to ask more questions than just why did you vote to evict me or why do you think you should beat this person in the final two? Just just do something like that. I think it would definitely impact the game in a good direction going forward if they took that recap episode and let it be more of like a jury people explaining their games episode and actually be very beneficial for the show than just like a filler episode going into the finale. One last thing I want to see return in Big Brother and Big Brother 23. I have been pounding this drum and I will be pounding this drum and dying on this hill until the day that I actually die and stop watching Big Brother. I want the nomination segment and the nomination wheel back on Big Brother. I hate the nomination box. I hate the screens. I hate it. I think it gives no um what's the word for it? Um it leaves no suspense on the show at all. Like especially I'm not saying this from a live feed feeder's perspective cuz live feeders already know who went up and that's been generally some people's criticism of the segment but you gotta remember there's five million people that watch this show and all five million of those people don't watch the live feeds probably a one thousandth of a of those people watch the live feeds so probably around i would probably say around maybe twenty thousand people watch the live feeds and that's pushing it i think That segment was is just a really fun segment, and I want to see it come back to the show. It reminds me of old school brother. I don't really understand why they got rid of it after the Battle of the Block to begin with. They sh- they could have very easily brought it back. Maybe for time constraints they got rid of it. But imagine if they took Tribal Council and they got rid of the discussion beforehand, and just saw and you just saw the vote. That was what the nomination segment to me feels like on Big Brother now. They took away the suspense of it, and they just gave you the results. Like, I liked seeing... Because you could definitely gamify the nomination wheel. You can put certain people in certain spots on the nomination wheel to either hide your alliance or to make... 
people believe you're in alliance with this person when you're really not. But um, yeah, I want to see the nomination wheel come back. I will die on the hill of the nomination wheel for all 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 time. I will I will die on this hill, and it I'll be very upset if it doesn't come back. I do not expect it to come back, but I hope it does. I hope it does. And that'll do it for the House of Spoken podcast this week. If you liked what you hear, please subscribe on iTunes. Also, please follow us on Spotify if that's where you listen to your podcast. The RSS feed is now up there on Spotify. If you want to uh, get more of me, you can follow me at Twitter on or on Twitter at our loving man on Twitter. And then, if you want to see me, you know, play some games. I play some games sometimes on Twitch. Uh, I have my full schedule, streaming schedule up on Twitch. I'll be following that coming up this week. You can follow me at RoosterLovingMan on Twitch. And besides that, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Let's see what happens. But for now, have a good night, everybody. And uh, I hope you had fun listening.